Greetings, friends. It's January 10th, and this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Good news is for sharing, and we are happy to be sharing the good news of God's gracious rescue provided to us through the Word of God made flesh, Jesus of Nazareth. This is the One Year Bible Tour Guide podcast, and I am your host, David McAdam, pastor and Bible teacher at New Life Community Church in Concord, Massachusetts. We are reading through the Old Testament book of Genesis and the New Testament Gospel of Matthew. Today we read of the death and burial of Abraham's wife, Sarah, in Genesis chapter 23. So let's step out on today's reading excursion by going to our point of departure, Genesis chapter 23, verse 1, and I am reading from the English Standard Version. Sarah lived 127 years. These were the years of the life of Sarah. And Sarah died at Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham went in to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. And Abraham rose up from before his dead and said to the Hittites, I am a sojourner and foreigner among you. Give me property among you for a burying place, that I may bury my dead out of my sight. The Hittites answered Abraham, Hear us, my lord. You are a prince of God among us. Bury your dead in the choicest of our tombs. None of us will withhold from you his tomb to hinder you from burying your dead. Abraham rose and bowed to the Hittites, the people of the land. And he said to them, If you are willing that I should bury my dead out of my sight, hear me and entreat from me Ephron, the son of Zohar, that he may give me the cave of Machpelah, which he owns. It is at the end of his field. For the full price let him give it to me in your presence as property for a burying place. Now Ephron was sitting among the Hittites, and Ephron the Hittite answered Abraham in the hearing of the Hittites, of all who went in at the gate of his city. No, my lord, hear me. I give you the field, and I give you the cave that is in it. In the sight of the sons of my people I give it to you. Bury your dead. Then Abraham bowed down before the people of the land. And he said to Ephron, in the hearing of the people of the land, But if you will, hear me, I give the price of the field. Accept it from me, that I may bury my dead there. Ephron answered Abraham, My lord, listen to me. A piece of land worth four hundred shekels of silver. What is that between you and me? Bury your dead. Abraham listened to Ephron, And Abraham weighed out for Ephron the silver that he had named in the hearing of the Hittites, four hundred shekels of silver, according to the weights current among merchants. So the field of Ephron in Machpelah, which was to the east of Mamre, the field with the cave that was in it, and all the trees that were in the field throughout its whole area, was made over to Abraham as a possession in the presence of the Hittites, before all who went in at the gate of his city. After this, Abraham buried Sarah, his wife, in the cave of the field of Machpelah, east of Mamre, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. The field and the cave that is in it were made over to Abraham as property for a burying place by the Hittites. Chapter 24 Isaac and Rebekah Now Abraham was old, well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, 
who had charge of all that he had, Put your hand under my thigh, that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and God of the earth, that you will not take a wife from my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell, but will go to my country and to my kindred, and take a wife for my son Isaac. The servant said to him, Perhaps the woman may not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I then take your son back to the land from which you came? Abraham said to him, See to it that you do not take my son back there. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and who spoke to me and swore to me, To your offspring I will give this land, he will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. But if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be free from this oath of mine. Only you must not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed, taking all sorts of choice gifts from his master. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. And he made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water at the time of evening, the time when women go out to draw water. And he said, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today, and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Behold, I am standing by the spring of water, and the daughters of men of the city are coming out to draw water. Let the young woman to whom I shall say, Please let down your jar, that I may drink, and who shall say, Drink, and I will water your camels, let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this I shall know you have shown steadfast love to my master. Before he had finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her water-jar on her shoulder. The young woman was very attractive in appearance, a maiden whom no man had known. She went down to the spring and filled her jar and came up. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, Please give me a little water to drink from your jar. She said, Drink, my lord. And she quickly let down her jar upon her hand and gave him a drink. When she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again to the well to draw water, and she drew for all his camels. The man gazed at her in silence to learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold ring weighing a half shekel and two bracelets for her arms weighing ten gold shekels and said, Please tell me whose daughter you are. Is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? She said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, whom she bore to Nahor. She added, We have plenty of both straw and fodder, and room to spend the night. The man bowed his head and worshipped the Lord, and said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness toward my master. As for me, the Lord has led me in the way to the house of my master's kinsmen. Then the young woman ran and told her mother's household about these things. Rebekah had a brother whose name was Laban. Laban ran out toward the man to the spring. As soon as he saw the ring and the bracelets on his sister's arms, and heard the words of Rebekah his sister, Thus the man spoke to me, 
he went to the man, and behold, he was standing by the camels at the spring. He said, Come in, O blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. So the man came to the house and unharnessed the camels and gave straw and fodder to the camels. And there was water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. Then food was set before him to eat. But he said, I will not eat until I have said what I have to say. He said, Speak on. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has greatly blessed my master, and he has become great. He has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male servants and female servants, camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old, and to him he has given all that he has. My master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I dwell, but you shall go to my father's house and to my clan and take a wife for my son. I said to my master, Perhaps the woman will not follow me. But he said to me, The Lord, before whom I have walked, will send his angel with you and prosper your way. You shall take a wife for my son from my clan and from my father's house. Then you will be free from my oath when you come to my clan. And if they will not give her to you, you will be free from my oath. I came today to the spring and said, O Lord, the God of my master Abraham, if now you are prospering the way that I go, behold, I am standing by the spring of water. Let the virgin who comes out to draw water, to whom I shall say, Please give me a little water from your jar to drink, and who will say to me, Drink, and I will draw for your camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. Before I had finished speaking in my heart, behold, Rebekah came out with her water jar on her shoulder, and she went down to the spring and drew water. I said to her, Please let me drink. She quickly let down her jar from her shoulder and said, Drink, and I will give your camels drink also. So I drank, and she gave the camels drink also. Then I asked her, Whose daughter are you? She said, The daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milcah bore to him. So I put the ring on her nose and the bracelets on her arms. Then I bowed my head and worshipped the Lord and blessed the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who had led me by the right way to take the daughter of my master's kinsman for his son. Now then, if you are going to show steadfast love and faithfulness to my master, tell me, and if not, tell me, that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing has come from the Lord. We cannot speak to you bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before you. Take her and go, and let her be the wife of your master's son, as the Lord has spoken. So let's put some of these events from the book of Genesis in their proper context. For the purpose of understanding Genesis, G. Campbell Morgan divides the book into three sections. The first section is called Generation. Here we see God as creator and the king of creation and mankind made in his image to have a relationship with him. This is Genesis chapters 1 and 2. The second section Morgan titles Degeneration. Genesis chapters 3 uh, verse 1 through chapter 6 verse 7. It is a story of sin and its impact upon society. 
The third section of Genesis is titled Regeneration and picks up the redemptive narrative of God calling and saving individuals with a view to provide salvation to the nations through the promised seed. And that's from Genesis 6, 8 through the rest of the book. The principal subject of this third section is that of the life stories of individual and representative men, particularly Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. Throughout all these, the supreme revelation is that God is seeking to restore men to obedience by restoring them to the main principle of human life, that of faith in himself. Perhaps you've been disappointed with the behavior of Noah, Lot, and Abraham as you've been reading through the one-year Bible. They are not ideal models for making the best moral choices. Noah gets drunk and behaves in an embarrassing manner. Abraham continues to tell half-truths about his wife Sarah, putting her welfare and that of others at risk in order to protect himself. Lot settles in Sodom, and there is little in the Old Testament account of his life that suggests that he had any prolonged walk with the Lord or godly testimony in the community. Yet the New Testament calls him righteous Lot in 2 Peter 2.7. We see a gospel pattern emerging here. It should encourage us. God works with sinners and provides a way for them to be declared righteous, not through their works of righteousness, but by faith in the only one who can justify the ungodly, that is Jesus Christ, in Titus 3.5 and Romans chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. The real hero of the Bible story is the one whose presence is hidden behind the scenes, the one true God, the Redeemer, who calls us into a relationship with Himself. He presents us with the challenge of obedience. Will we believe His promise? In the case of Noah, Lot, and Abraham, the promises given prefigure the plan of salvation centered in the person and work of Jesus Christ. He is uh, represented by the ark, by the promised seed, the willing sacrifice of the promised son. In our case, it's the actual plan of salvation centered in Christ and his perfect provision for the atonement of our sin on the cross. That's the object of our faith. By the obedience of one, that is God the Son, many will be made righteous. Abel believed God, and the righteousness of the Son of God was credited to his account. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, Noah believed God, entered into the provision for salvation, that is the ark, and was delivered from his wrathful judgment upon the old creation. He received as an inheritance the gift of righteousness. In Hebrews 11, verse 7, an inheritance is a free gift that is received through the good will of another. Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. What we are learning through these examples is that to succeed in faith is to succeed in life. Faith is trusting and obeying God. To fail in faith is to fail in life. Today's reading from Proverbs restates this theme. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart, so that you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. In Proverbs 3, verses 1-6. to 6. 
Genesis 23 records the death of Abraham's wife, Sarah, Isaac's mother. Sarah had her faults, and so do we. But God named her Sarah, meaning my princess, in Genesis 17.15. And in the New Testament, her virtues are given as examples for Christian wives to follow, in 1 Peter 3, verses 1-6. The Apostle Paul uses her as a picture for the grace of God, in Galatians chapter 4, verses 21 to 31. And the writer of Hebrews lists her with the heroes of faith. By faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive, even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Hebrews 11, verse 11. Abraham mourns for his deceased wife with tears. This is the second instance of weeping in the Bible. The first were the tears of Hagar, in Genesis 21:16, There will be tears shed throughout the Bible until the Lord wipes them all away when he returns in Revelation 21, verse 4. Abraham and Sarah were pilgrims. They were not citizens of the place where Sarah died. Abraham asked the sons of Heth, local leaders near Hebron, Kiriath Arba, for an honorable burial site for his dear wife. Their respect for Abraham is evident as they offer Abraham the choicest of their own family tombs for Sarah's burial. Instead, Abraham prefers a separate burial place for Sarah. These leaders approach Ephron, the son of Zohar, on his behalf. Abraham offers to pay Ephron the full 400 shekels of silver asking price for the cave of Machpelah, plus the field that leads up to it. Ephron was shrewd, and knowing that the need to bury Sarah's body was imminent, he demands the field to be purchased also. Abraham pays the full price, honoring his wife and trusting God to do the right thing by faith. In Genesis chapter 24, we see Abraham's successful mission in finding a spouse for Isaac. Note the prophetic picture. The father, that is Abraham, wants a bride for his son, Isaac. He sends out a messenger who is not named and does not speak of himself who will communicate the good news in a far country, speak of the Son, invite the Chosen One to be his bride, and brings a down payment of his wealth as a pledge of an inheritance. The messenger here is a wonderful type of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father has sent into the world with the Gospel's invitation to become part of his family if we are willing by faith to cleave to his Son. See Ephesians chapter 1, verses 9-14. to 14. Believers become his son's bride, the church, in Ephesians 5, verses 25 to 27, and 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2, and John chapter 3, verse 29, Isaiah 54, verse 5, Isaiah 62, verse 5, and Revelation 19, verses 7 to 8, and chapter 21, verses 2 and 9. Notice Isaac's part in all of this. He's not anxious for a bride. He's trusting the plan of the Father and the work of the messenger. He is meditating in the field with his affection set upon things above. In Genesis 24, verse 63. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. All your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. And now reading from the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 8. Jesus has just completed his Sermon on the Mount. And here we have the Response. This is what happens after the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 8, verse 1. When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, 
you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded, for a proof to them. When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to one, Go, and he goes, and to another, Come, and he comes. And to my servant, Do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from the east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion Jesus said, Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she rose and began to serve him. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. So this New Testament reading provides pictures of people of faith, trust, and obedience. First, there's the leper, the only record we have of anyone responding to the Sermon on the Mount by specifically coming to Jesus in Matthew 8, verse 2. Notice how Jesus tells the leper not to tell anyone after he heals him. He also asks the healed leper to go to the priest, as required by the Old Testament law, to be declared healed and restored to the Israelite community. Later, when we read the book of Leviticus, we're going to see how significant this is. The priest should be accountable to recognize that this indeed was a work of God. Secondly, we have the healing of the centurion's servant. Notice how the centurion is commended by Jesus as he explains the nature of faith, recognizing and submitting to divine authority. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And thirdly, we have Jesus healing Peter's mother-in-law. She's healed not through any faith on her part, but on the basis of God's sovereign mercy to show his faithfulness in Christ. In Matthew 8:14, Jesus cares. Now reading from the book of Psalms. Psalm 9, verse 13 to 20. We're reading the second half of this psalm, dealing with faithful worshipers who have been persecuted and oppressed. Be gracious to me, O Lord. See my affliction from those who hate me. O you who lift me up from the gates of death, that I may recount all your praises, that in the gates of the daughter of Zion I may rejoice in your salvation. The nations have sunk in the pit that they made, in the net that they hid. Their own foot has been caught. The Lord has made himself known. He has executed judgment. The wicked are snared in the work of their own hands. And then we have this musical liturgical term, Higeon and Selah, or Selah. 
The wicked shall return to Sheol, all the nations that forget God. For the needy shall not always be forgotten, and the hope of the poor shall not perish forever. Arise, O Lord, let not man prevail. Let the nations be judged before you. Put them in fear, O Lord. Let the nations know that they are but men. Selah. David knew that God protects his flock when they are under attack. So he calls upon those who are being attacked to give thanks and praise to the Lord. He cries out for personal deliverance in verses 13 and 14 that he may publicize the Lord's greatness. The Lord makes himself known as his cause is vindicated among the nations. The afflicted can be comforted by this knowledge, yet David makes an ongoing petition. Arise, O Lord, do not let man prevail. Let the nations be judged before you. Put them in fear, O Lord. Let the nations know that they are but men. Now reading from Proverbs, and this has been a theme through all of our readings today. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. Here we have practical wisdom to live by. Our job is to take His word, that is His teaching, His commandments, His promises, His provisions. Take it all to heart. Trust Him. Acknowledge Him in all your ways. That's your job. His job is to direct your path and straighten it out. We get in trouble when we confuse our job descriptions with God's. So we stay in our own lane. Trust in the Lord and He will do His part and direct your paths. Let's pray. Father, we can trust your plan. Thank you for calling us into your family through the message about your Son. We rejoice in the good news and bind ourselves to Him and His saving work on our behalf. And we do it by faith. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit, which makes our union with Christ a reality. Once we were in a far country, our sins made us untouchables according to your holy standards. But you sent Jesus to heal us. Every spot and blemish of sin has been removed in your sight, and we have been declared clean forever. We know this is true positionally. We thank you that when we agree with you, confessing our sins, you are faithful and just and honor the shed blood of Jesus on our behalf and continue to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, help us to share this good news with others. We realize that there are so many people who are lost to your love. Lord of the harvest, send forth laborers into your harvest. Here we are, Lord, send us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining with us on our reading tour of the Old and New Testaments. I trust that your daily intake of God's Word is giving you perspective on life as it is to be lived in a real, honest-to-God relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. As Lord, He is worthy of your obedience. As Savior, He is worthy of your trust. We also like to remind our listeners that if you would like to have a written copy of the commentary portions on each day's reading from the One Year Bible, you can subscribe to a free service at our website, newlife.org that sends an email to your inbox with illustrations, maps, and charts that you may find helpful. We hope that the tools of this daily podcast and daily emails will encourage you in the healthy habit of reading through the entire Bible and grasping its central message of God's plan of salvation centered in the person and work of His Son.
You can also let us know if this podcast is a blessing to you or if you have any questions or comments by writing to us by email. Our simple email address is podcast at newlife.org. That is podcast at newlife.org. Don't forget to subscribe or follow this podcast wherever you get your podcasts as it helps us spread the word of God and it also will mean that you will be informed when each new installment is posted. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. May the peace of the Lord be with you. Shalom.